and welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marion Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. I've discovered a wide variety of passionate people creating, coaching, and connecting in my community. Today, we're talking to Michael Williamson, a young actor from Port Perry, Ontario. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's cool. So, Michael, you're an actor. Tell us how you got there. <laughs> okay. I... Um... I grew up, I think like almost anybody that, that, that has gotten to acting is, uh, growing up in a small town. They, they got their start through community theaters, uh, usually cause it's the only thing available to them. The, the thing that made me a bit different is my parents, uh, were always involved in the arts. And then when they moved out of the city and into a smaller town, they decided to turn their attention to community theater. So it wasn't like I saw something on stage and was like, Oh, this is what I must do, you know. <laughs> I uh, instead, it just always seemed like it was a part of me or around me all the time with my family. So they were doing stuff and they didn't want to pay for a babysitter. So uh, <laughs> okay. I'd get carted around to like Man of La Mancha or something. And, and then that was just the atmosphere I grew up in. And from there, I, I really fostered a love for it. And then I did that through elementary school. I kind of took a bit of a break in high school, explored some other things I wanted to do. And then near the end of it, I I, I decided, okay, no, I'll I'll keep pursuing this. And then I went to theater school and now I'm where I am. And where where did you go to theater school? So I went to George Brown College. They have a acting conservatory that's in the same building as Soul Pepper Theater. It's the Young Center, uh, which is in the Distillery District in Toronto. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you... You graduated, what, 2019? 2019, 2019, yeah. It's a three-year program, so it, it's weird. COVID's kind of skewed everything because I, I still had about a year before COVID happened of living the actual, what I'd imagine the real uh, working Toronto actor life. Toronto and, and acting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, since then it's been a lot of recording everything at home. and Yeah. Yeah. So how did growing up in a small town influence your choice to be an actor? Well, I think it's, <laughs> you all, uh, you find a nice safe space to be weird, I think is probably the easiest way to say it. I, you know, it's funny. I was watching, uh, every time I come back to visit my folks, they, uh, record all the SNLs that like go on, uh, because I don't have a cable in, in Toronto or anything. Yeah. And I like watching them and I grew up watching them anyways. The reason I, I go on this tangent is because uh, Oscar Isaac was hosting, I think, in March, and he showed some home footage of like him and his friends filming stuff when they were really young. And, and he ended the monologue by saying, why am I showing you this? And I'm showing you this to show kids that it's OK to be weird and be different because it can lead you in different places. And I think uh, small towns, when you think about that outlet where can you where you can be weird and where it can be fostered is a lot more in in community theater scenarios even if you never want to be an actor or or anything yeah. like that's where you get 
that are just drama in general. Those those places that just attract people that that don't necessarily want to go into sports, or even if they do, they want to explore other avenues. So I think that's really how it like influenced me. Is it gave me a space to figure out what I wanted to do in that space. That Even if you weren't going to be an actor, yeah, it was the yeah. fact that that was the quirky space in a small town where... You could do something without feeling uncomfortable about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know that a lot of people feel, oh, I, I, I can't be quite myself until I get to the big city, and then they they find their tribe in the big city. Yeah. yeah. But a theater community within a small town is often that place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's sometimes the only place to... So. Yeah. Yeah. So you've also performed in a small professional theater troupe for a few summers. So yeah. describe what that's like and what's that experience? Of course. So I, I've worked at a couple smaller summer uh, professional theaters, uh, most consistently theater on the Ridge uh, here in Fort Perry, uh, which is lovely because I grew up here too. But um Working in a, a smaller sort of summer, it, it's almost always summer theater when it's outside of the city, yeah. um, is really a wonderful experience because you get to, I guess, be transported to a different space outside of the, the hustle and bustle. And you kind of immerse yourself in that community and that lifestyle and and just sort of the whole zeitgeist or vibe of the the people there. Um, and then at the same time, you get to make some really cool art and you get uh, a lot of freedom to just kind of, it's almost like an artist retreat or like an artist in residence mm -hmm. for, for, for like an actor that wanted to do something. And it's where a lot of actors get their start, I think, because when you're in big cities, it's, it's a very like condensed, concentrated, competitive thing. Uh, and as soon as you move outside and you're locked on this contract, there's not many other places to go. So you focus on that work sort of for yourself and the community and people you build there. So it's a really freeing, but also great uh, space to explore, especially early in your career, what it's like to be a working actor and, and, and doing something it, you love. Do you think you've got more um, variety of work that you could be in by being in a small professional company vers yeah. like versus, say, in a city, I most of the theater companies I know they have a certain mandate or a certain area, or so. That's that's a great point, Marion. I think um, when you get to go into these like smaller concentrated areas, I I used to always say you get a chance to kind of explore bigger roles. You probably wouldn't have been able to necessarily not because you're not good enough or something. But there's a, you know there's a bigger pool and there's people that have longer resumes that big, big companies are going to trust more to do. Like, like I'm not going to be like auditioning for Mervish when they're doing Glass Menagerie and, and not casting Tom, you know, but like, yeah, but you play smaller... Tom in Glass Menagerie here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. well, I played the gentleman caller, oh. but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like the, those smaller theaters, because they're, you know, they're pulling people and there's so many of them going at the same time, they really allow people to, to bite into those things and get a real good start on something meaty instead of being like footman number three. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, one of my brother, you know, was at Stratford, yeah. and, you know, always was the soldier in uniform in the back row. Kind of yeah. 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 Thing you you get the no my liege and you're, you're holding the pike the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Which yeah. is a different thing, but it, it and it, it's nice to just be able to, to feel like you're actually doing the thing you wanted to do, even if it's in a smaller space and, and they really give that opportunity to you. 
And what's the difference between a professional theater company versus, say, um, community theater? I think the biggest thing that I could say is the rehearsal process. Obviously there's like an end product that is different. And as an audience member, you could, you could clearly see it. Like if you saw the same production done by a community theater and then another one done by a professional theater, they, they're probably wildly different. And in some cases they might not be wildly different, but um, the thing for an actor going through that, which I think is a, a, an interesting way to look at it is the rehearsal process is probably the most notably different thing. Okay. Uh, and what I mean by that is, in, in my experience growing up in community theater, it's a lot of people, everyone kind of figuring it out all together, but they're starting way back in the sense of, you know, they're figuring out just how to make the words work in their, in their bodies and with other people and how to listen in that sense. Versus once you get into more professional stage, everybody already knows what it is they're doing. And now they're just figuring out how they're going to do it with each other and, and what what specific art they're going to make. They're not just trying to make it make sense. They're trying to make it fit a vision that um, the director and, and their scene partners want. So they've now been trained in a place like George Brown college theater program. They've got that training. They're bringing it into the world and they're actually getting paid. It might be a nominal amount, but they're at least getting paid. Yeah. I think the, the, a a better analogy I could do, because I realize my response kind of feels a bit, well, that doesn't, I don't know if that necessarily makes sense, but, uh, if you think about it as, uh, I'll use musical theater as a better example, because it's a bit, music is a bit more concrete sometimes than, than acting, but like a person showing up to a professional musical theater already knows how to sing all the songs and can sing all the songs quite well. There's none of this learning to sing the song with their musical director, which you get in a lot of community theater is mm-hmm. you know, the chorus, the ensemble are learning to sing the songs together. No, no, no. If you're a professional, you already show up, you know, all your parts and you have them all memorized and everything. And now you're figuring out how to make it artistic. You know, what, what choices, what, what, how we're going to alter what we already have versus just learning it together. What did, what did you, yeah, it does. What now in working with theater on the Ridge and I'll be, it's professional, albeit with a much smaller budget yeah. than a bigger theater company. So what's that challenge like for an actor? I think it's twofold. Uh, you know, there's, there's some good sides of that and there's some, some rougher sides of that. I think the, the good sides that there's, there's tons of low budget stuff everywhere, but um, when you have something low budget, you, there's a bit more of a onus on like, okay, it's pretty much going to be you on stage. Uh, without any, you know, we're not doing a, like what, like curtain nobody's trial, gasping when the, yeah, when yeah, the curtain yeah. goes up at, at the, the, uh, the props <laughs> on stage. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like, like Mervish is opening with cursed child soon. And, and I have a couple of friends are in it and it's like, it's spectacle, you know, it's so much spectacle, low budget. It's never spectacle. Like, <laughs> yeah. So smaller professional things, it's not about spectacle. So you really get to, um, there's more pressure on what's there to already be really, really good, which is great because it allows you to be really like, like it's about you. And that's kind of exciting when, when you get into more big, big budget things, it's less and less about you. And it's more about the whole uh, thing, like, like costumes and and lighting and everything looks like, like that has to be really perfect. And obviously it makes you look good too, but when it's just you with some minimal things that there's so much more concentrated focus on. And so it's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. Yeah. 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 
So um, during COVID, we've talked a little bit about, you know, oh, that was pretty challenging going to school during that time frame. And, but it also meant that theater was different for you um, in a lot of ways. So first, tell us about, um, you were involved in productions that did happen during COVID. What what was that like? What did you cope with? <laughs> so I think the industry, specifically the theater industry, not much the film industry, the film industry didn't change too, too much, but <laughs> the theater industry yeah. definitely got turned, well, completely shut down because you know, how do we do theater, which is in of itself an in-person face-to-face uh, experience, right. for lack of a better word, right? Uh, how do we transition that into something that's that people can still do? So everybody turned to Zoom, at, like with everything, you know. Depending, no matter what your job was, suddenly there's all these office Zoom meetings, and and theater kind of fell into the same same boat once they once the dust finally settled and they realized they're in this for a bit more than you know two weeks two or weeks. something. Yeah. <laughs> so um, learning how to use that as a medium was a really interesting experience. And I've had some friends do it. Um, my, my partner right now is in a show that's still kind of based written for zoom. It's called unmute. And it's, um, it explored like domestic violence that had increased during the lockdown times, but they wrote the show specifically for zoom. And a lot of theaters started doing something like that, or they were adapting the show to fit this new medium where it's not quite film and it's not live theater, but it's it's Zoom. Like so, it's still contingent upon people showing up and and watching it live. Uh, but you know, it, it's a different space. And how like you know, suddenly the camera's much closer to you. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's not like this high budget thing where they can make it look really, really pretty and beautiful. So it's 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 almost an entirely new beast that I think a lot of people tried experimenting with. There was a lot of theater schools when they were doing I wasn't in theater school during COVID like thank god because I <laughs> I think I would have honestly dropped out like it just seemed awful and, and just mm. as my own personal thing but the the productions I saw it was interesting how different theater schools for their final year pr- uh, projects would work in that medium so really seeing how some people explored like oh you've got a bunch of students that are like all in their own homes how are we going to do this and some people some schools would write productions specifically for the zoom format similar yeah. to my partners on mute and others would do a lot more interesting editing to kind of bridge that gap but you suddenly got this whole new medium and experience which was cool to work with and then we're slowly easing out of that so yeah um you you well you did some performances in parking lots and yes oh yes so I, I, that's outdoors, I, outdoor theater. Yeah. It's also with, in the winter too. <laughs> yeah. With, with, uh, you know, orange air ambulances flying over in the middle of yeah, shows. And- yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, doing it, uh, outdoor theater really got a nice little boost. I think almost all these small companies suddenly made this transition too. Uh, when they when they could have the space or if they didn't have the space, the parking lots and stuff yeah. to to do things, uh, which was really uh, it's outside. So it's a breath of fresh air, but also um, being able to do stuff real in person outside outside kind of became the only um, medium or space to do that. And yeah, it was it was phenomenal just being able to be in a space with somebody, albeit still relatively distanced from everyone. And, you know, you'd have audiences still wearing masks and it would be just the actors kind of taking them off 
for the sake of the production, but still everyone keeping their distance. It was, it was, I think it's the closest thing to pre pandemic sort of theater. I got to experience during uh, the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. You also struggled with, um, you know, as many people did, you know, move, move home (laughs) because of, you know, the expense of rent and then not being working at various times, but you also um, dealt with rural internet. (laughs) And a lot of people don't understand rural internet or lack thereof. (laughs) So you had to have some creative solutions for. Yeah. So for a big thing specifically for any face-to-face or like non-pre-recorded uh, auditions or callbacks, regardless if it was theater or film, you know, they require you to be reading with someone that you probably haven't met before or talking back and forth with a director while you're doing some scenes for them and trying to show your best self. And, and that can get really, really hard when uh, there's like a five or four second delay between when you open your mouth to speak and when they actually hear it. And then when you get to hear what they actually say, uh, <laughs> most people that have relatively stable internet connections, it's, it's maybe a half second and they like, they, they recognize it's a bit of that like lag or or latency, but man, when you're dealing with satellite rural internet or anything, it is impossible to, uh, (laughs) yeah. Painful to do something. Yeah. It's just, it feels like you're talking to someone from China. Like there's that much distance delay between it. So I was very fortunate to, uh, be able to go to the arts council yeah, and, uh, and use our internet. And use their internet, which is so, oh my gosh, so, so much better. And I can actually, it's literally the only way I could have done some of those auditions. So being able to have that space um, during the pandemic time was just phenomenal. And it, it's just highlighting about, I think you probably, having experienced that yourself, feel a great deal of sympathy for these families where the kids have been learning um, and you know, so could you imagine somebody, a household with three kids on rural internet trying yeah. to get into classes and uh, online classes? Terrible. Like, yeah. Like I said, I mean, if I was in theater school or high school, I can't drop out of high school, but if I was in theater school and I financially would move back to, to my folks house and then tried to do online classes, I, once again, I would have dropped out. It's just impossible. I, I can't imagine yeah. how hard it would have yeah. to do normal schooling or anything. So um, what I want you to tell me what you think, what kind of an impact do you think a theater company um, like theater on the Ridge? And there's other examples in um, throughout Ontario of, of theater companies in rural communities. What, what impact do you think it has on a, a rural community? Well, it's, this goes back sort of to the space that you're allowed to be weird in, but more from an audience perspective and like an inspiration inspective or uh, respective for the, uh, the youth or, or people wanting to pursue this sort of as a career. Uh, seeing, seeing something done with the context that it's professional or something uh, gives validation, I think, to a lot of younger people that are interested in that sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, suddenly they can see themselves on stage, you know, even if they're in the audience, they, they get to have that experience that, uh, 
you'd almost have to go to Stratford or Toronto to see it be like, oh, I can act. I, this is what I want to do. But but they get to see it so much closer to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot more accessible to them because, you know, <laughs> driving to Stratford or something from a small town, depending on where you live geographically, can be quite a commute. And then the tickets alone and then it's a big ordeal and not everybody gets privileged to be able to do that. But having that space right available to them in their own town finally like allows a lot of people to see themselves and say that's what i want to do uh which you know you might only get from people previously that were in a in a city or in a town dedicated to that i i akin it to my partner grew up in peterborough um and they have a really good thriving uh music scene specifically for youth uh there they had a i don't think it's open anymore but they had a a club called the spill which was a an all ages music venue, which I think is a phenomenal idea. So you suddenly get all these people because most music venues are 18 or drinking age over. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're pretty much already an adult by that time. Uh, but when you get to be 12 or something and you're just sort of getting into music or theater or anything for the first time and then getting to see your peers or people from the same place or people coming in out of town and having a space that's like dedicated for all ages, young or old, and you get to see someone actually doing that thing, suddenly, like, it just fosters such a strong artistic community. And like I said, Peterborough's got a very strong music scene. And and having that smaller town uh, availability of theater, I think, can foster a similar thing. You suddenly get a lot more people being interested in the arts and wanting to do stuff with it, whether it's acting, whether it's directing, writing, or, or costumes, or production design, or anything. Yeah, Just being able to see it so close is really... I, th- I think, too, one of the things I've noticed, a kind of a parallel between theater and um, small towns is uh, intergenerational. So when you're yeah. acting and you're in plays, you're often working with people of all ages because maybe a play has different characters that are supposed to be different ages or or maybe uh, somebody on the production team is older or younger or yeah. in you know directors um are are of all ages and so you get to work with a, a multi-generation when you're in uh, theater, but then also in a small community, you, we tend to have to work together in a multi-generational kind of format. And I, I see that there's a parallel there. Do you notice that? Yeah, I do. And it's, it's really conducive to development for emerging artists, I guess is a good word to say, uh, when you're, when you're bringing together intergenerational things, it's, it's, you know, it's like, you know, the, the parents teach the children and the children grow up to be the parents to teach the kids. But that, that works in a professional environment too. And, and it, it, it's kind of this sharing of life experiences, things, uh, theater is such a good environment for that too, because like you said, there's not, there's not a lot of plays that are, we need <laughs> 10, all 18 to 20 year olds for this play. Like that doesn't mm-hmm. exist almost uh, or not almost all, but there's a lot of plays that are multi-generational because, you know, they're usually about family stories or, you know, it's just more realistic. People don't all, exist between this like 18 to 20 year old range so so that experience of hearing stories from people older people younger and then working together with people from different age groups or backgrounds uh gives a very holistic experience not just for like artistic development but for world sort of i want to say worldview but uh were um you know like a rounded experience for like what what life 
<laughs> can be like and what empathetically other people are going through and experiencing yeah. and learning from that. Yeah. So I think theater is great for that. So what's next for you, Michael? What do you, what are you, what are you doing these days? <laughs> uh, well, always auditioning. That's I think the eternal <laughs> acting, working actor life. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm working, um, on a play develop or not a play, a screenplay, uh, with a few of my friends. I did this, uh, there was once again, during the lockdown, we, uh, one of my friends who's, I think he was a PA on a couple on like the boys and a couple other TV shows. He was starting to write some of his own stuff. Uh, mm. and he brought together a little festival for new screenplay rights and just to like workshop some stuff over zoom. Cause what else are you going to do with all your time? But anyway, so that was quite a success last year. And now he's written a few more episodes and we're kind of workshopping that still over zoom, but it's nice to have like a good project going on that you're making while you're still auditioning for other things. I've got right. some other callbacks for theater. Theater is really taking off once again, now that restrictions are easing up a bit. So like, in March, it was the most theater auditions I've done in, in a year was all condensed into March. I think they right. did six yeah. or seven, which is like, that's a lot for, for going from completely dead to, to seven in all like roughly two weeks. Yeah. That's pretty. So something's going to come through in the next couple of weeks in April yeah. to say, oh, here's where I'm my spot for a summer. Yeah. Yeah. Cast, exactly. Summer I, role. I've yeah. got some callbacks for some summer theater companies. And I, I forgot to mention, I mean, theater on the ridge is doing some workshops for a new play development right now too, that I, I guess I'm off to tomorrow to, uh, Oh, to help with to that. Start work doing on some that. Of that oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's over the next two weeks, which I'm excited about. So, yeah. And what new play is being workshop? What do you, yeah. So they, um, so theater on the ridge has been developing, they used to do this, uh, project called like pine grove plots, which is, based off of, uh, they're, they're like cemetery walks or like historical reenactments of things. The, that the characters, yeah, the, yeah, characters the characters in Perry. this small town. Yeah. By, um, yeah uh, we, we had a local historian called uh, Paul Arculus who um, wrote a book basically like deep diving on all these stories. And, and uh, Graham Powell uh, was the original playwright that brought some of them to life. And anyways, now they're expanding on one of those stories, which was Professor Stout, who was like poor Perry's, first black resident i believe mm -hmm. uh and so they've got a new playwright working with that and we're we're really yeah they're taking that story off and really expanding on it into hopefully a, a full-length play so I'm, I'm really happy i get to be a part of it yeah cool so i need to be part of the development stage of something like that rather than going and playing a role of a classic play right it, it's a different experience yeah i've done a few when I was in theater school, they had some partners with Tarragon Theater. Tarragon Theater is specifically like new play development. That's, yes. that's what they do. So I got to experience a bit of that. But it is a different beast, you know. You're you're bouncing back and forth with a playwright a lot more and, and really exploring what's working and what's not working. And nothing's set in stone versus, you know, showing up and doing, once again, like Arthur Miller or something. Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's the words. Like, we have to use these words mm -hmm. and, and what's already been done. But this is more like, is this working? How can we make this better and like more fluid? It's, it's a back and forth in a in a creation area versus like a process to product area. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow! <laughs> it's been great talking to you. It's yeah. been um, really wonderful. I've been talking to you, Michael Williamson. So chi miigwech for spending time with us today. Mm -hmm. 
And thanks to The Wanted for their song Before the Fall and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for the grant that got this done. So visit scubagarts.ca to get the scoop on what we're up to and join us every week for an episode of Art Waves. And once again, thank you, Michael Williamson. Thank you very much.